Podcast, USA Today Sports' number one baseball podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line by my colleague, Bob Nightingale. Bob, how's it going? Yeah, doing great, Ted. Thank you. Well, as we speak, it's uh, Wednesday night. We're about uh, two hours removed from the announcement of the 2017 Baseball Hall of Fame class. Three guys going in in the general voting, Jeff Bagwell, Tim Raines, and Yvonne Rodriguez. I think we would both say very much deserving Hall of Famers, first and foremost. Yeah, you know, we knew, Ted, that Jeff Bagwell and Tim Raines were going to get in. You know, the, uh, you know, Raines last year was ballot. You know, the momentum was building. Bagwell, who came so close a year ago, the momentum building. Then Ivan Rodriguez, you know, Pudge was a coin flip. You know, and he, he gets it by four four votes. Uh, very close call. And, man, you got to feel bad for uh, Trevor Hoffman, which is five votes short of election. Yeah, I guess I would say, and and I definitely want to talk about some of the guys who just missed out in a bit. But for Hoffman and and Vlad Guerrero, uh, both both of whom got more than seventy percent of the vote, uh, just shy. Like you said, Hoffman just a few votes shy. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero about fifteen shy of the seventy five percent threshold for induction. I'm pretty sure everyone who has ever received seventy percent of the vote has ultimately gotten in. So it looks good for those guys next year. Yeah, we could see a big class next year, Chad. You're talking about those two guys for sure, Hoffman and Guerrero. And then, uh, you know, Chipper Jones, a slam dunk. I would think uh, uh, Jim Tomey uh, will be an uh, easy first ballot guy. You know, and then, you know, maybe a uh, uh, you know, one more guy as well. So, so we'll see. Uh, let's talk about Bagwell for a second because he he got uh, over eighty six percent of the vote. Uh, you know, it's it sort of he uh, a landslide election, or at least a big one, uh, like an, an almost no doubter guy. But this is his seventh year on the ballot uh, to get there. Do you think it's electing Mike Piazza that got Bagwell in? Yeah, and just the. Uh... You know, Piazza and just the uh, the softening down toward the PED era. You know, uh, you know, look at Pudge Rodriguez. Rodriguez had the same suspicions as Piazza. He was actually named in Jose Canseco's book. He dropped 30 pounds right at the time of his testing in 2005. So uh, all the suspicions that Piazza had, uh, so did Pudge. And Pudge got in first try, which, uh, you know, speaks very well for uh, Bonds and Clemens, just a softening against PED guys. Yeah, and what do you think that is? Do you think it's just time sort of sort of changing the way we see that? Because it, it feels like that. It feels like a, a lot of writers uh, who have voted against or not voted for Bonds and Clemens, and those are the big ones, the uh, emblematic of that era. And it seems like people are sort of starting to come around first with guys like Piazza and Bagwell, who never, you know, were, were always sort of suspected of performance-enhancing drug use, but never closely tied to it the way Bonds and Clemens were. But then now also with Bonds and Clemens, the guys we feel pretty comfortable saying did take PEDs at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing where if we're going to put Piazza in and, and Pudge Rodriguez and, and Jeff Bagwell, you know, why are we going to keep out two of the greatest players that's ever played the game who happened to play during the uh, PED era in, in Bonds and Clemens? I mean, nobody thinks that they were clean their entire careers. Uh, you know, there, there are hundreds of guys that, that weren't clean, thousands of guys. And But if we're already electing guys in the Hall of Fame, you know, you know even before uh, guys like Mike Piazza, uh, why wouldn't we keep these two guys out? I'm a little surprised. You know, if we're gonna start 
putting guys in, hey, how about Sammy Sosa? 8.6% of the ballot. You can't tell me he wasn't one of the greatest players in baseball. Yeah, Sosa's a weird one. I would guess and I would I would contend that the difference between Sosa and, and Bonds especially – and Sosa had the big home run totals, but he was so home run centric. And it did feel like, you know, while Bonds was the best player in baseball before, you know, anyone – at least before steroids really became a thing or so seemed to become a thing in the, in the popular perception, Sosa's a guy who sort of exploded right with those years and right when he put on all those weight. So while I also – think that Sammy Sosa deserves, he hit more than 600 home runs. I think he should get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I think that Sosa probably wasn't, well, certainly wasn't as good of an all-around player as Bonds. No one was, no one I've ever seen at least. And uh, Sosa feels more, and, and this is probably not fair, right? But Sosa does feel more like a product of the PEDs than Bonds, maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, ever consider Sosa in the same breath as Bonds? I mean, Bonds. You, you can make an argument when the top, you know, three or four players ever ever live. Yeah, I and, would say uh, number two. Honestly, I think you could say Man Ruth. Yeah, yeah, I'd say Babe Ruth and then Barry Bonds to me. Yeah, and you know, Clemens was the top five pitchers ever. So yeah, I, I agree with that. But just yeah, with just you know, here's a guy who helped save the game in baseball '98, all the home runs. But yeah, I, I mean, I can see why he'd be more of a borderline guy. But yet, you know, back in the day, you know, before PEDs, if we're talking about a guy hitting 600 and some home runs, we're putting him in automatically. And I think part of the change comes probably just from the understanding that comes with time. I think that the initial outrage over PEDs made it out to be this sort of black and white, good versus evil decision that these guys were making. But I think as we come to look back on it and think about, you know, what that what actually goes into that decision, which is really, well, you know, do I want to be able to stay healthy for 162 games? Will this thing that the league is not policing help me make more money to to make my family rich for generations and what is stop other than you know pure uh you know unbridled ethical uh, choices what's stopping me from doing this if the league's not going to police it and if everyone else in the field is doing it Oh, you're exactly right, Ted. I mean, it was so widespread. I wrote a story about this back in 94 about, uh, in the LA Times, one of the first stories, if not the first, about steroid use. It was just so rampant. But, you know, I covered uh, baseball throughout the steroid era, and never once did I have a manager or a general manager say, oh, man, I wish our guy got off it. Everybody won their players on it. Of course you they helped, did. Yeah, of course they you did. You helped the team. Yeah, they were in the gym all the time. They were eating right. They were going to bed instead of hanging out late at night. Uh, you wanted these guys on your team. I'm not saying you wanted 25, but you loved having them. And I got to say, I'm, I'm, you know, and I, I wasn't old enough to be covering baseball then. I was watching baseball then. I was, you know, 17 years old in 1998, and I felt like there was something unnatural about the size of Martin McGuire and Sammy Sosa. I got what was happening. I wasn't completely naive, but I also thought it was incredible to watch guys hit 70 home runs, and I loved every minute of it. So I think it would be hypocritical for me to say now, oh no, those guys have no place in the pantheon of baseball greats, when those guys are in part responsible for how much I love baseball. No, you're right, Ted. I mean, you knew those guys were doing something. Their bodies are so unnatural, but I loved it. No, I was around uh, McGuire a a ton that year. It was like a, uh, you know, some different guys were following Sosa, different guys were following McGuire. I was more around around McGuire. And when he broke the record that night and 
hugging the Roger Maris family and everything else. That was one of the most emotional games I've ever been part of. And it was awesome to uh, be there. You got goosebumps and everything else. You know, guys turning up in the uh, press box. You didn't care what guys were doing. It was just, it was just fun. And it was great for the game. And I would say, you know, in in terms of the Hall of Fame discussion, while we feel pretty comfortable, uh, again, about Bonds, about Clemens, about McGuire, about Sosa, you know, when we are, when we are saying with in with the Piazzas of the world and the Bagwells of the world and and Ivan Rodriguez and uh, you know, you can go down the list. There are tons of guys who we sort of vaguely associate with PEDs, right? There's it's a different scenario, I think, with Manny Ramirez, and I think it's a different situa- situation and or will be with Alex Rodriguez, guys who actually got caught in the era of policing when they knew they weren't supposed to be doing it, and when getting caught would cost their teams their services in the form of suspension. I think push comes to shove, I would still and someday will still vote for them just because everything they did on the field counts and still counts. But I think, you know, when you start getting into this game like, oh, well, we know for sure that this guy was clean and we know for sure that Derek Jeter was clean and Jeff Bagwell wasn't, why do we know that for sure? Because Jeff Bagwell hit home runs, you know, and that's not to knock Derek Jeter, obviously. You know, I I live in New York. I can't take his name in vain here. But we just how how are we ever going to know exactly which guys did and which guys didn't? Oh, you're right. We will never know, Ted. Absolutely never, never know. And, uh, you know, I'll I'll draw the line on guys who got a uh, pop for PED. So I will never vote for May Ramirez. I won't vote for Alex Rodriguez. It's almost like what you said before. Uh, You know, the PED guys are helping themselves and helping their team. When you got popped, I mean, you hurt your team. I mean, Alex Rodriguez cost the Yankees the entire season by not being around. Manny Ramirez cost two different teams. You know, he got suspended for 150 games total. You know, 50 of the Dodgers, 100 with Tampa Bay. So, the, you know, how can that help your team? So I, I won't vote for those guys, you know, no matter how great their career was. That's where I'll draw the line. And I totally, you know, I totally understand that argument. And like I said, like I, I think that's something I will probably, you know, when I do, I, I don't think I have a vote for another six years. I'm pretty sure it is exactly six years. Uh, and and if they're still on the ballot or A Rod is on the ballot by then. I'll give that one a good thinking over because I think that that's a very different case once, you know, once it has been made clear, this is not what you're supposed to do. This is cheating. Don't do this. We're going to suspend you for it. If you're still doing it, that I think is a very different decision than, well, hey, everybody else is is taking steroids. I just want to fit in and be on that same playing playing field the rest of these guys. Yeah, that's why I feel bad for a uh, guy like a Fred McGriff who had a just a uh, stellar career. You know, ten years of thirty or more homers, eight years of a hundred ribbies or more, and but his numbers got dwarfed by the steroid era. So you feel bad for guys like that. You really, you really do. Yeah, and I hear that too. And and it looks like McGriff McGriff is probably not gonna get in. He's he hit twenty one point seven percent of ballots this year. It's his ninth year on the ballot. He also gets hurt a little bit, I think, by uh, the new rules shortening the amount of time on the ballot. Uh, we saw, you know, Lee Smith also didn't get in this year. He was in his fifteenth year on the ballot, which was the old way. Uh, guys who had been uh, in in past ten years in the old system. Uh, were still allowed, were grandfathered into going 15 years. Now guys are limited to 10 years on the ballot, and so you know McGriff maybe doesn't get that benefit of the extra few years of momentum that tend to come 
as a guy nears the end of, of his time on the ballot, but a guy who definitely did get that, uh, and a guy we haven't spoke, spoken about much and, and you wrote about today, uh, Tim Raines. 86% of the vote, finally in the Hall of Fame. A guy who started out with 24.3% of the vote in his first year eligible, now up to 86. I think probably, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, probably a reflection uh, more than anything about uh, of the way we value on base percentage and stolen base efficiency and a lot of the things Tim Raines did that maybe we, we didn't focus on so much in the late 80s when, it was in, uh, when he was at his best. No, you're right, Ted. I, uh, he, he was a uh, of the sabermetric crowd, advanced metrics. He's probably the first guy to get in the Hall of Fame because of that. And he mentioned that tonight in the conference call. He said, you know, back in the day, everybody looked at whether he hit 500 home runs, won 300 games, had 3,000 hits. He never had that magical number, but yet he got on base and produced runs and everything else. And uh, I was I was a victim of that too. I was overlooking him until a couple of years ago. So I fell right in that trap. I, I voted for him the last two or three years. Years, but I waited a long time. Uh, so uh, I think now the same type of thing is going on for Edgar Martinez. Uh, I don't think Edgar Martinez is a Hall of Famer. You know, it bothers me that, you know, a guy like uh, a Gary Sheffield, for instance, uh, or, or uh, yes, Sheffield has, you know, scored 400 more runs than him, driven in 400 more runs than him, 200 more home runs. So if he's on the Hall of Fame, you know, I don't think Edgar Martinez is. But yet, I think Edgar Martinez could be a byproduct of the same thing that got Tim Raines in. And I think a lot of that is just the and, – and and I'm sort of with you on Sheffield too just because he was – I mean I, I, I can't remember – uh, as charismatic, I think, a hitter as Sheffield. He was just like that electric guy you wanted to watch hit every single time he came up. And I think Sheffield almost gets hurt by how bad a defensive player he was for so many years, especially t- towards the end of the career of his career. Whereas we don't have that. Like I like I, I have the image in my head of Gary Sheffield stepping on the plate and and doing the little bat waggle thing and how terrifying it was and thinking like oh my god if I were the third base coach I would be you know digging a hole under the base to try to hide myself here. Um, but I also have the image of Sheffield sort of plodding around in the outfield late in his career. And we don't get that with Edgar Martinez, right? Because he wasn't playing the field. He's not penalized by his lack of defensive value. No, but he didn't play it. At least, you know, at least Sheffield played it. Right, And uh, right. obviously, you know, it wasn't like he was limited to the DH role. He did play the outfield. He could run. Um, you know, my thing is in baseball, it's all about sco- whoever scores the most runs wins. So if you're a ball player, if you're a hitter, the idea is to either score runs or drive them in. It's which guys like Sheffield did and Griff did. And Edgar Martinez didn't do that. So my thing is if, you know, if you get on base all the time, but you're still staying in first base when the inning is over, well, what good did it do? Well, the counter to that would be that, and, and Martinez maybe not a great example because he played for some great teams, played alongside a, a Hall of Famer and Ken Griffey for many years. But I think the, the counter would be, well, uh, it's not, you know, yes, obviously run scoring is the most important thing. But if if you can no no one man can make a full MLB offense, right? So you're getting fewer opportunities to drive in runs and score runs if you don't have the great hitters around you. Right, but yeah, I mean, like you said, Martinez was on some great, you know, some great teams. 
it's a, uh, you know, it's just the, the whole thing with how, how valuable is on a base percentage is if you're not getting a scoring position, if you're not stealing second or, you know, stealing third, you know, you don't want a, uh, remember the old midget, Eddie Goodell, if you got a base, you know, 80% <laughs> of the time, is he a Hall of Famer? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I honestly, this is maybe a little bit off base, but I honestly think about that all the time. Like, why, I, why was that such a bad idea? If you could start every single game with a runner on first base, like maybe that's, that's a pretty good strategy. I don't even know that that uh, that that was a bad idea. I like honestly think that that might like might be worth a roster space if you knew he was really going to get on base eighty percent of the time, and you can you could start every game or eighty percent of your games with the runner on first. I kind of feel like that's worth one spot on the roster, but that is a very different subject than this one. Um, so uh, so Edgar fifty eight point six percent in the eighth year on the ballot. He's going to, I mean, we've seen it. Oh, these guys always get momentum sort of towards their end years. It feels like he will see more of it, but he kind of seems like a guy like Jack Morris where maybe the momentum is a little too little too late and he gets close, but not quite in. Does that feel right? It's close. I mean, he, there's no way he'll get in next year. Uh, you know, like we said, I mean, you already got Hoffman and Guerrero in. Uh, you got, you know, Tommy and Shepard Jones. And the other guy I see about was Omar Vizquel. Uh, Omar Vizquel is a strong, you know, Hall of Fame candidate. Uh, so if he gets in, it'll be the 10th year. It'll be, it'll be close. Right now, just a sentiment toward Martinez and the metrics people and everything else. I, I get a sense that he will get in, but, but not till uh, two more years. Scott Rowland also on next year's ballot, probably not going to get there anytime soon, but I feel like a guy who might hang around the ballot and take up some votes for a while, uh, if only because the standards for third baseman in the hall, uh, there just aren't as many third basemen for whatever reason, they're underrepresented, and Rowland was you know, such an exceptional defensive player. I think probably the injuries late in his career will ultimately cost him that nod, but I wouldn't surpri- be surprised to see him sort of see that benefit of the, of the advantage stats that we saw with Reigns. Uh, a couple other guys, I mean, we, we mentioned Clemens and Bonds. You think Clemens and Bonds, this is their fifth year, they both got uh, right around 54% of the vote. Uh, again, historically, guys who get 50% of the vote most of the time wind up in. Do you think they get in be- before they're off the ballot? I really do, Ted. I mean, just to softening the stance now, I'm more convinced than ever that they're in. I always thought they were going to, uh, but, you know, it's like, well, you're, you're not you're not for sure that they're going to get in. Now, I'd, I'd be shocked if they're not. But, you know, the big thing is, too, they got five more years left of this ballot. So you figure next year you get in the 60s, then two years from now in the 70s, then you're in. So I think three years maximum, they'll take them to get elected. And I think you're seeing, you know, as 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 the years move on. First of all, they've uh, they they've, the Hall of Fame has purged a bunch of voters who weren't really active baseball writers who were still voting. Uh, and they're also, you know, obviously it's it's ten years in the in the Baseball Writers Association before you can vote. And so now we're getting more and more writers in their young thirties and mid thirties, uh, guys around my age, uh, becoming voters. And all of those guys, I can tell you, uh, went to college, you know, watching Barry Bonds hit massive home runs and I think uh, many of us at least have a have a fond spot in our heart for that even despite you know all of the extraneous uh, Barry Bond stuff that went along with it two more guys I want to talk about before I let you go uh, one another guy who had a fairly big jump this year and a weird candidate um, Mike Mussina was a very very good pitcher for a very very long time I think never the best pitcher and I feel like that's probably why he hasn't had a 
a bigger case so far, but he's at 51.8%. Yeah, you know, he's a uh, he's a guy that's been trapped on my ballot. I just haven't had room for him, Ted. And uh, unless I take somebody off next year, I'm not going to have room for him for two more years, but I think he will get in. I love the fact that he had all those wins pitching the AL East during the steroid era. And you're absolutely right. I mean, he wasn't winning Cy Young Awards or anything like that. Uh, you know, when you're watching him pitch, you know, never once did I say, oh, I'm watching a future Hall of Famer. I never thought that. But he put up those numbers year after year as a steady guy. He would have been a 300-game winner if he just wanted to keep sticking it out. So, yeah, he – he will get in. And, you know, this was only his fourth year in the ballot. So uh, I'm confident he gets in. He's, just kind of, he's been kind of victimized just with the crowded ballots. Yeah, I think that's right. And and I think uh, – I would say the same thing. Like I, I don't think well, until the end of Messina's career when you can look back and say, well, when he's at 250, 260 wins, well, maybe this is a Hall of Famer. He never – yeah, you're right. He never felt like, oh, like like it does when you're watching Clayton Kershaw right now where you're like, this is a Hall of Famer <laughs> in his prime. This is dominance. This is – or Pedro Martinez in his prime. You know, the, that type of guy. But – Obviously, there is value in the type of consistency he provided, and he was a guy who was good for 200 innings every season, who was good for a significantly better than league average ERA every season, uh, and a guy who just, you know, who who threw tons of innings, who pitched tons of games, who didn't miss time, and uh, all of those things, I think, sort of tally up, and even if the guy necessarily didn't feel like a Hall of Famer, I think, uh, again, he gets there. The other guy, the one guy from last year's ballot moving in the other direction, um, not surprisingly, perhaps, uh, because he did uh, jokingly tweet about lynching reporters, is Kurt Schilling, who went from 52.7% on last year's ballot to 45% on this year's ballot. Uh, does that trend continue? I think it goes back up uh, next year. I think just people jumped in that bandwagon and said, oh, we don't like his tweets, his election year. Uh, he doesn't like journalists. And there's plenty of ball writers. I mean, I'm sorry, plenty of baseball writers, baseball players who didn't like ball writers. You know, lots of those guys. So – uh, it should not be kept against them. I would never hold that against them. I, I've not voted for Kurt Schilling. I'm not sure I will. The, the uh, what bothers me with Kurt is just the uh, victory total being down around 2.11 ERA, just so so. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal postseason. So you know, pushes that up. Maybe I'll rethink it when it gets close to being off the ballot. But I'm, I'm kind of sad to see his vote total drop just because of. Uh, his views and his tweets. I mean, he hasn't played the game in 10 years. It's not like he was doing this while he played and caused distraction. So I, I think his vote total going down now, you know, reflects poorly on the writers. I think so too. And, and I think, I, I think he is probably ultimately a hall of famer. I think what you mentioned, the postseason stuff sort of puts him over the top. I think he'd be very borderline without it, but just, you know, really one of the great postseason uh, pitchers of all time with all of the signature moments, especially, you know, the bloody sock game. And I do think, you know, and like to your point, uh, I think it reflects poorly on the writers to say, especially if you're going to, you know, say, well, no, I don't want to vote for for Bonds and Clemens because of this. And, or, I guess it makes more sense if you're not voting for Bonds and Clemens because then you're more worried about the character clause. But um, it's not like this was the first year Kurt Schilling was saying offensive things on social media. And it does seem at least a little bit petty that it took until he went after journalists for journalists to start being like, well, now I'm not going to vote for him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he never had a 
you know, full support of all his teammates. He drives the teammates crazy. You know, he and Randy Johnson had their issues. So, uh, yeah, to say, okay, now he doesn't like writers, so I'm going to get him. You know, I remember, uh, I remember covering Eddie Murray. I was never a beat writer covering Murray, but just coming in there. And, and Eddie rarely talked to the media. But yeah, you know, I think the, I remember when Eddie Murray came to the Mets, I believe the only thing he said was, I'm not talking to the media. And that was it for the whole year. That was, that was what Eddie Murray said to the media. Right. But you know, but when you talk to his teammates, wherever he was, and when you talk to clubhouse attendants, the trainers, they say the greatest guy in the world. That's what matters is what the teammates think of him in the in the uh, clubhouse personnel, not what the writers think about what what the guys around him 24 hours a day think of him. And uh, so I think, you know, in Schilling's case, let's think what those guys thought of him. And, I'm, you know, I'm not saying he had a, uh, you know, he's not Eddie Murray. He wasn't nearly that popular, but he wasn't a, uh, a villain either. It wasn't a guy like nobody could stand. And I think the thing you'd hear from Schilling's teammates was that whether or not they agreed with him politically or wanted to listen to him talk about other subjects besides baseball, when it came to baseball, there are a few guys you'd rather have on the mound in a big spot than Kurt Schilling. No, I mean, it's a phenomenal postseason. You know, I think the thing that hurts him a little bit too, Ted, is like he was always a number two pitcher. I mean, mm. when he was in a, uh, Arizona, hey, it was Randy Johnson was a stud. It wasn't him. Pedro Martinez was a stud in Boston. It wasn't him. And he had some down years and some really pedestrian regular seasons. But, you know, like we talked about, you throw in that postseason, it's like if you think he's a borderline, then that's going to push him over. Well, the baseball season's rapidly approaching spring training, uh, less than a month away right now, so we will certainly have more for you on the walk-off, which you can uh, check out on SoundCloud. Subscribe, rate us, review us on iTunes. Uh, we're on Stitcher as well. Uh, Bob, you can check out everything he's writing at USA Today Sports. I'm at For the Win, ftw.usatoday.com. We're both on Twitter, all sorts of social media. Bob, uh, again, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's always a uh, a fun day. My you know my favorite day of the year, Ted, is uh, induction day, is which is uh, July thirtieth this year. I love that day. Everybody in Cooperstown is in a great, great mood, and uh, you know this is ranks right up there too. It's always fun on election day to see what's going to happen. Yeah, and it'll be fun. I think uh, probably a, a good crowd driving down from Montreal for Tim Raines, which is always nice to see. <laughs> yeah, it will be, and you know, and then you, know, you remember Bud Sealy's going to be in, and John Sherholtz is like, remember Chipper Jones is eligible next year. It's like every single year now, some brave is getting elected. <laughs> That's very true, uh, Bob. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Ted. <laughs>